Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Welcome to the Serial Killer Podcast, the podcast dedicated to serial killers, who they were, what they did, and how. I am your Norwegian host, Thomas Viborg Thun, and tonight we are back in Europe. More precisely, we are in Scotland, the land of bagpipes, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, Haggis, your humble host's university, and, of course, many tales of grisly murder. But we are not delving into the story of a contemporary killer tonight. As with last week's episode, we stay in the 1800s, more precisely 1827. Here, dear listener, is a poem to introduce this evening's subjects. Up the close and down the stair, but and Ben with Burke and Hare. Burke's the butcher, here's the thief, knocks the boy who buys the beef. Great things are happening to the Serial Killer Podcast, dear listener. Thanks to you, my sponsors, and of course my very dear Patreons. I am from now on able to publish a fresh new episode every single week. Here in Norway, new episodes will be released every Monday. As an added bonus, the lovely introduction music you just listened to is available. Go to theserialkillerpodcast.com to download this exclusive ringtone now.
and you won't regret it. Also, do not miss out on exciting news such as the Kickstarter project we got going with the premium mug that changes color as it heats up. So, sign up at theserialkillerpodcast.com slash tellme. Naturally, being the modern podcast host that I am, I have a Facebook fan page for my dear listeners. Go to facebook.com slash the SK podcast for Facebook live events and frequent interaction with me, your humble host. Your support means a lot to me, and I hope to continue to bring you high quality content for a long time to come. If you would like to donate, please go to the serialkillerpodcast.com slash donate or simply go to patreon.com slash the serial killer podcast directly. If you're unable to contribute, then you can still help out by telling your friends and family about your favorite podcast and helping me grow through word of mouth. The larger my fan base gets, the better this program becomes and more resources we'll be able to devote to it in the future. The Regency era in Great Britain was a period when King George III was deemed unfit to rule, and his son ruled as his proxy as Prince Regent. It ended in 1837 when Queen Victoria succeeded William IV. The Regency is noted for its elegance and achievements in the fine arts and architecture. This era encompassed a time of great social, political and economic change. War was waged with Napoleon, and on other fronts, affecting commerce both at home and internationally as well as politics, despite the bloodshed and warfare. The Regency was also a period of great refinement and cultural achievement, shaping and altering the social structure of Britain as a whole. Even though the era is noted for its budding elegance, the dark and filthy streets of Edinburgh were anything like it at the time. Hard-working Irish immigrants by day Scheming murderers by night, William Burke and William Hare were a unique pair of criminals who made a profit from providing dead bodies to the anatomy students of 19th century Edinburgh. Edinburgh's population of university students and practicing anatomists created a unique market for fresh corpses that prompted Burke and Hare to enter into an illegal trade. Acting on a strict code of no questions asked, the financial rewards of Burke and Hare's crimes led to a series of 16 murders spanning a period of just under a year. And had the two criminals not allowed their greed to consume them, they may never have been caught at all. In early 19th century Britain, 
The law stated that only the bodies of executed criminals could be used for autopsy purposes. But with the ever-growing popularity of anatomy studies, the demand for fresh corpses soon outstripped the supply, and grave robbing became common practice among criminals who wanted to earn an easy pound. Murder for money is not an original concept by any means. But Burke and Hare had a new perspective on killing for financial gain. Usually they had little interest in the wealth of their victims. All they needed was a fresh corpse to sell. Burke and Hare are reported to have first met in Edinburgh, after both men had left their native Ireland to work on the Union Canal in Scotland. However, it was not until Burke moved from Leith to Westport with his partner Helen MacDougall that he and Hare actually met. Hare had settled at a boarding lodge with a recently widowed woman named Margaret. The two had struck up a relationship soon after her husband's death, and they ran the lodge as if they were a married couple. After a chance meeting, it was Margaret who introduced Helen and Burke to her partner, and the couple soon became paying lodgers. The two couples were never the best of friends, but their love for drinking and easy money-making schemes made them a murderous match. Ultimately, their real dislike for one another would lead to their downfall. In 1827, one of Hare's lodgers, an old man named Donald, fell ill and died. His death was of no real concern to Hare, except that Donald owed him four pounds in rent. Such was Hare's anger that he began to consider how the dead man could pay off his debt. Aware of the demand for corpses by anatomists, Hare hatched a plan. On the day of the funeral, Burke and Hare took Donald's body from the coffin and replaced it with a sack of bark. Later in the day, they removed the body from the house and took it to the anatomy offices of Professor Robert Knox. They were asked to return after nightfall, and on doing so they were paid seven pounds ten shillings for their efforts. Back in 1827, seven pounds ten shillings equaled about eight hundred pounds today. So it was immediately obvious to Burke and Hare that they had stumbled upon a very lucrative business model. This ready cash made the pair contemplate a risky, but ultimately effortless, money-making scheme. Grave robbing was labour-intensive, and the quality or freshness of a corpse was not guaranteed. However, Committing the murder themselves would be an easy way to ensure the supply of fresh, quality corpses for sale. And they didn't have to look very far for their first victim. Another of Hare's lodgers, 
a miller named Joseph, had fallen ill not long after Donald's death. Though he was not seriously ill, Burke and Hare took it upon themselves to put an end to his suffering. After several glasses of whiskey with the two men, Joseph passed out, and by holding his nose and mouth closed, whilst the other restrained him, Burke and Hare had, by chance, discovered their very own signature murder method, their modus operandi. By suffocating the victim, they provided the anatomy students with the fresh, undamaged cadavers that they needed. Here, dear listener, I think I need to expand a bit regarding the murder method. I have in other episodes described how strangulation often can be one of the most brutal and painful ways of murdering someone. This is due to the larynx being crushed, the blood vessels bursting at the neck, and the windpipe being constricted and sometimes destroyed, causing internal bleeding. However, holding the nose and mouth close is actually one of the more humane methods of murder, if one can call it that. It is still a traumatic way to die, as the panic of not being able to take a breath, followed by the increasing headache and convulsions caused by lack of oxygen, is very much a painful affair. But there is no physical destruction of tissue, and when the brain is deprived of oxygen, consciousness follows relatively rapidly, especially if the victim is caught by surprise, as the case often was with Burke's victims. In addition, many of Burke's and Hare's victims were severely intoxicated as they were being killed, and alcohol effectively dulls the pain of strangulation. From then on, their victims ranged from sickly lodgers to old prostitutes, and in the first four months of 1828, their killings were limited to nameless individuals that would cause no questions to be asked. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. 
We all have our burdens to bear, dear listener, and as a man, I was, and am, often told to suck it up, keep calm, and carry on. Normally, good advice in many situations. But never talking about what bothers you is not healthy. Therapy is great to get things off your chest, to vent, and best of all, to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Everyone needs someone to talk to, even psychopaths, even your humble host. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash serial killer today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash serial killer. However, in April 1828, local prostitutes Mary Patterson and Janet Brown were out drinking and met up with Burke. He invited them back to his brother's where they continued to drink. While Mary slept off her excessive drinking, an argument broke out, causing Janet to leave. She told Burke that she would return for Mary later, and went to visit her old landlady, Mrs. Laurie. After relaying the morning's events to her old friend, Mrs. Laurie became seriously concerned for Mary's safety, and told Janet to return for her at once. A servant accompanied Janet to Burke's, but on arrival they were told that both Burke and Mary had gone out. Janet insisted on waiting at the lodgings and asked the servant to return to Mrs. Laurie and tell her the news. Still suspicious of the whole affair, Mrs. Laurie sent the servant straight back to Burke's and suggested that Janet must leave. By this time Mary's body was already on the way to Dr. Knox. But thanks to Mrs. Laurie's warning, Janet had escaped a similar fate. Following Mary and Janet's visit to the Burke's house, the next five victims were deliberately chosen so that they wouldn't be recognized by the students and the local community. And it was around this time that the two couples fell out. Burke accused Hare of supplying Knox with bodies behind his back and it was agreed that Helen and Burke would move out on their return from visiting Helen's relatives. Once they returned, Burke and Hare's greed and apparent laziness drove them to kill much closer to home. This time they picked Anne MacDougall, a relative of Helen's, was lured to the lodging house, attacked and strangled to death. Whilst Burke had no qualms about Anne's final demise, he did ask Hare to carry out the actual killing. Carelessly, their next three victims were central to the local community and therefore easily recognized by the paying students who attended Dr. Knox's classes. Mary Haldane was an aging local prostitute who agreed to partake of a dram at Hare's lodgings. On being told that her mother had been 
seen with hair, Mary's daughter, Peggy, decided to pay his lodgings a visit. On arrival, Hare said that Mary had visited, but had left. He then invited Peggy in for a drink. And before long, she joined her mother and Dr. Noxus. Both bodies fetched ten pounds each. The neighborhood grew suspicious at these disappearances. Mary and Peggy were familiar faces, but a risk-taking didn't end there. Known as Daft Jamie, James Wilson was a local entertainer and extremely popular with children. Easily recognized by his deformed foot, caused quite a stir in Dr. Knox's class. Yet despite several inquiries, Dr. Knox strongly denied that the body was that of James Wilson. The events preceding their final killing undoubtedly led to the downfall of Burke and Hare, and had their new lodgers James and Anne Gray been of a similar moral disposition, they may have joined the foursome in their criminal careers. Mary Doherty met with Burke by chance on the morning of Halloween, 1828 having convinced her that she and his mother were related to Mary. She returned to the lodgings with Burke for a drink. Burke offered her a room, and the Greys were moved out and given a room at the Hare's. Late that night, after drinking and dancing, the Burke's neighbours claimed they heard arguments at the Burke's and a voice calling murder. They set off in search of a policeman, but having no luck and hearing no more shouting, they decided to go home. The next morning the Greys returned to the lodgings to find Mary gone. Helen claimed that she had been overly friendly towards Burke, and they had kicked her out. In truth, Mary was yet to leave the building, as her body was laid under the spare bed and covered in straw. During the day, Anne approached the spare room and was sternly warned to stay away. Suspicious of why Burke should be so defensive, James and Anne waited until they were alone in the house, and after a brief investigation, they found Mary's body. The Greys immediately confronted Helen, who panicked and offered them ten pounds a week to keep quiet. The Greys refused and left the house to get a policeman. Burke and Helen were taken to the police station for questioning, and when interviewed separately, their stories didn't match up. At the same time, an anonymous tip led the police to Dr. Knox's classrooms. Mary Doherty's body was found and later identified by James Gray. The Hares were also arrested, and slowly the police began to uncover the real reason for the sudden disappearances in Westport. Unsurprisingly, none of the four had the chance to go over their story and Burke blamed Hare for the murders 
claiming he knew nothing of what had been happening. After a month of indecision, the police offered Hare immunity if he testified against Burke and Helen, and on agreement Burke and Helen were charged with Mary Doherty's murder and Burke with the murders of James Wilson and Mary Patterson. The trial began on Christmas Eve, 1828. Both the Hares testified against the Burks, and several witnesses told of victims they had seen with Helen or Burke prior to their disappearance. On Christmas morning, after just fifty minutes of consideration by the jury, Burke was found guilty and sentenced to death by hanging, and Helen was freed. During the month between Burke's sentencing and his execution, he made two thorough confessions detailing sixteen murders that he and Hare had committed, though the order was inconsistent. Contrary to popular belief, Burke and Hare were not infamous grave robbers. In fact, there is no proof to suggest they ever robbed a single grave. William Hare was released in February 1829, and many popular tales tell of him as a blind beggar on the streets of London, having been mobbed and thrown in a lime pit. However, none of these reports were ever confirmed. The last known sighting of him was in the English town of Carlisle. Helen travelled south, but she never managed to escape her past. According to rumour, she moved to Australia, where she died in 1868. Margaret is believed to have returned to Ireland, though, like Helen, she was mobbed wherever she went. William Burke was hanged on the 28th of January, 1829 after which he was publicly dissected at Edinburgh Medical College. The dissecting professor, Alexander Monroe, dipped his quill pen into Burke's blood and wrote, This is written with the blood of William Burke, who was hanged at Edinburgh. This blood was taken from his head. His skeleton, death mask, and items made from his tanned skin are displayed at College Museum to this very day. Mdougal was released since her complicity to the murders was not provable. Knox was not prosecuted, despite public outrage at his role in providing an incentive for the sixteen murders. Burke swore in his confession that Knox had known nothing of the origin of the cadavers. And so ends another tale of serial murder in the Regency era and the 1800s. I know, ads are something my listeners are not huge fans of. But even your humble host has bills and audio engineers to pay. And as such, I need to have sponsors. But the show does not need to be flooded with ads we can keep the ads to a minimum, but in order to do so I need your help. 
Go to podcastone.com slash my survey and please fill it out to the best of your ability. Responses will help align the appropriate advertisers to my audience. It's short and of course completely anonymous. There are two easy ways to doing the survey. Go to podcastone.com slash my survey or go to podcast one.com and click on the survey banner you do all of us at the serial killer podcast and podcast one a huge favor by filling it out thank you for supporting my program and for taking the time to complete the survey i have been your host thomas viborg thun doing this podcast is a labor of love when I couldn't have done it without my loyal listeners. This podcast has been able to bring serial killer stories to life, especially thanks to those of you that support me via Patreon. You can do so at the serialkillerpodcast.com slash donate. There are especially a few patrons that have stayed loyal for a long time. Maud, Mickey, Sydney, Lexi... Christina, Philip, Jason, Lisbeth, Sid and Meg, Sarah, Tommy, Charlotte, Craig, Megan, Thomas, Linda, and Wendy. Your monthly contributions really help keep this podcast thriving. You have my deepest gratitude. As always, thank you, dear listener. For listening, and feel free to leave a review on Facebook, your favorite podcast app, or website, and please do subscribe to the show if you enjoy it. Thank you. Good night, and good luck. <laughs>